Welcome, my name is Alessandra Carden, and you're listening to The Alessandra Carden Show. On this podcast, I share conversations with experts in wellness, nutrition, athletics, entrepreneurship, sustainability, and more. It's my mission to give you the information, inspiration, tips, and tools that you need to optimize your energy, health, and happiness. I'm here to help you thrive. Megan Glover is an environmentalist, photographer, certified health coach, and entrepreneur. In this episode, she shares about her personal wellness journey, how she changed her career multiple times before becoming the environmental photographer that she is today, how to use Instagram as a tool to make a positive impact, and how the plant-based diet has enormous benefits for the environment. She shares a lot of information about the current state of the oceans, and she talks about how to effectively communicate as an environmental advocate. On top of this, she shares about some of her epic adventures, such as moving to Hawaii and going on photo trips in the Yukon and Alaska. She also gives her tips on how to stay healthy while traveling, even if you're camping, backpacking, or living out of a van. This episode is fun and informative, and I know you'll absolutely love it. Here it is, my conversation with Megan. so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. You've been on quite a journey over the past few years with wellness, entrepreneurship. How did it all start? I guess it kind of started in grade 11, I would say, when I started going to the gym. Good Life is offering a free fitness pass for the summer. So I started then and then I was like, well, since I'm going to the gym, I might as well eat healthier. So, um, yeah, I guess that's when it kind of started. I definitely wasn't vegan. I just started changing my diet, incorporating more fruits, vegetables, yeah, whatever I thought was healthy at the time. Um, so I started then. And then ever since then, I just started exploring like new dietary lifestyles, experimenting with low carb, high carb, high fat, low fat, all, all that stuff. Theories. Yeah, all that stuff. What led you to studying at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition? Yes. Yeah, so that was after I had gone vegan. Someone brought up the idea of veganism to me. I was super keen. I went home and researched it. I was like, wow, this could be such a good challenge for me. Oh, so, wait, what? Like what sparked that interest though? Because a lot of people, you talk to them about plant-based and I don't know, they don't really care yeah, <laughs> or like, so, what was it that really stuck with you? Yeah. So when I first had heard about veganism, I already wasn't eating very much meat or dairy because honestly, I haven't really liked the taste of them for quite a while. So when he sparked the interest of veganism, I was like, well, I'm pretty much eating vegan anyways. And since I don't really like those non-vegan foods anyways, I should just try it. And I always like to challenge myself and try new things. So, and this happened in December, uh, three years ago now. So I was like, I'm going to make this a new year's thing. So starting in January, I'm going to adopt this lifestyle. So then after I had gone vegan, social media really sparked a lot of new interest in people who eat plant-based. So I came across a lot of people and people who took the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And then from there, I was like, wow, this could be something I'm really interested in. And at this time I was studying ultrasound at McMaster and I started to lose interest in that, even though I had loved it, absolutely had so much passion for it for three years prior. I quickly had a new interest for the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And I think the best enrollment for me was going to be the following September. So I had enrolled in like July and I knew I had one more year of university left. So it sort of just kept pushing me to get through that university year that I didn't want to finish and have a different side passion and side hustle as a health coach. And what do you think the biggest takeaways from studying at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition were? One of my favorite things about it is that everyone is different and bio-individuality is so important. I think I used to be very pushy towards plant-based and veganism, but everyone is so different. You can't just go cold turkey like I did. Um, Not everyone can. So I think it's important to just slowly ease people into eating more plants rather than feeling like they're cutting things out. And that was a huge lesson um, in IIN. And then I would also say that interacting with people and connections is huge. It's so important to 
make new connections, meet new people with every chance you get, attend events and all that stuff because relationships and communication is key and you build new ideas from that and you get that inspiration if you're just sort of feeling stuck. Okay, and it's so linked to health too. I always talk about the Harvard, I forget what it's called, like the Harvard happiness study. Basically, they found that human connection is the greatest predictor of health and happiness. So Mm -hmm. it's just so true. It's like you can be eating well and exercising, but if that part of your life isn't in check, then you're going to feel like crap. (laughs) Yeah, this is huge. So one of the big, as you know, lessons or structures of the course is primary and secondary foods. And for so long, uh, most of my life, even before I was vegan, I was really focused on secondary foods, which is real food as being number one importance. I am really taught me that your primary food, spirituality, exercise, <laughs> relationships, relationships and, and career. Yeah. Are, all these lifestyle forms yeah, of nourishment, right? Lifestyle mm-hmm. over actual food, food mm-hmm. should come second. So once you have all your primary foods in check, then that's when plants and all that stuff will come into play because I focus on that for so long. And I was like, it really just brought down my lifestyle habits by being just focused on food and that yeah, so it shows you how not healthy in any way. Yeah. Health is just so, so holistic, mm-hmm. but now you're a photographer and an environmentalist. <laughs> so how, how did this transition happen? And how did you, you left, um, ultrasound? Was that scary? Tell us a bit about your career path. I changed my mind a lot. So I have changed my career quite a bit over the last couple of years, which I'm totally okay with. It's taken me a while to finally just kind of accept that. Leaving ultrasound, I was very uncertain about it for about a year. So I had time to think. It wasn't very, very certain at the beginning. I changed my mind many times, but I stuck with it for a year, even though I was very skeptical about it. So I think it's important to still give yourself time if you're unsure of something rather than quitting it completely. Um, Okay, I was going to ask you on tips for knowing when to quit too because yes. you said that I was like I change my mind all the time and I love experiencing new things and trying yeah. different things but yeah when do you stick something out and when do you quit <laughs> I think I think this is a really I like this um I've never really thought about this because for something like going vegan you can go back you can do that but if I were to drop out of my ultrasound program something I love for so long and I regretted it, that wouldn't have been good. So I almost dropped out like three times before I finally decided it wasn't for me. Eventually, by the end, it was, it's, it's kind of like going through a breakup too. It's like, uh, right. I don't think this is right. Maybe, maybe not. Will I regret it? And then finally, one day you just know that it's not right for you or the other person. For so long, so, so many months, I was like, I would go back and forth, back and forth. I wasn't sure and I wasn't going to drop out and waste all that money, whatever. When I finally got a job doing ultrasound, it was that first day I went in. I just knew something clicked. My intuition just told me I didn't even have emotion towards it anymore because before, every time I'd think about it, I would start crying or I would just be like really upset. It was scary, the thought of leaving. But then the day that I knew it wasn't right, I didn't have those sad or scared emotions. I just, I just knew So as soon as I went into work that day, I was like, I'm not coming back tomorrow. Like, there's no way. And I was so excited. I just couldn't wait to tell everyone and just not even really tell anyone, just kind of do my own thing. I was like, I'm, I'm done listening to other people's opinions. So, um, yeah, I just went home and decided I wasn't going back. And like, yeah, I just knew even though it's like amazing, slightly scary, but (laughs) yeah. How you describe that? Because I've heard before too, that knowing the difference between intuition and fear comes down to how you feel. And if it's, it's emotionally charged, then it's, it's fear and like ego based. And then if it's your intuition, it's kind of just calm, no mm. crazy emotions attached to it. You you just know. Yeah. Yeah. You just know. I also think that patience is huge because if you want to do something, but you're not quite sure, just give it time. Like just, you just wait and the day will come. You will know when it's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just really tapping into that intuition. Yeah. 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 Cool. 
What about the photography part? How did how did that come into your life? Probably when I went vegan, that's when I started food photography. So that was when I got um, one of my older Sony cameras, and I really just started to take photos of all my food recipes, and I loved food photography. I still do. And that really got me exploring with a more, a little bit more of an intense camera. When I was out on the streets or just traveling or whatnot, I would bring that camera with me and just take photos as a hobby. Um, I never really took it as, it was just like a pastime is when I still wanted to do health and nutrition. And then... Oh, you you did a lot of photography in Hawaii too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was more, the first couple of times I went, it was, again, just a hobby. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until like the third time where I sort of just kind of started to take it a little bit more seriously. So over time, I was just practicing. I didn't think I could really make a career out of it. Once I started taking it more seriously, I had gotten a little bit more of a high-tech camera. And that was before I had moved to Hawaii for six months or so. And yeah, I was able to shoot a couple weddings there. Again, I still wasn't quite sure that I wanted to really do that. I still was really holding on to the idea that I wanted to do health coaching And then uh, once I had gotten back, uh, my boyfriend is a photographer and he really inspired me to sort of just go all in with it. He kind of just helped me realize that it's possible and I can do that myself. I I know it sounds cheesy, but it's so true. You just need to believe. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You really do. Like, yeah. And sometimes it just takes like someone else's inspiration and motivation to just push you there and like realize, wow, it was always there. Like, why didn't I believe it? From the start, you know? Yeah. Are there any other photographers that really inspire you? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Mostly, I would say through social media. Um, Instagram has been a huge inspiration to me. Instagram can be taken. That's a whole other topic. It can be taken lightly or it could really, like, kill your confidence and stuff. But I choose to use it as inspiration. Jealousy is inspiration in disguise. I love that because people always talk about um, Instagram being just, everyone just compares themselves to people on Instagram. And then when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's so true. And if I ever feel myself go into that comparison mode, just take a step back and think, okay, no, I'm really just inspired. Yeah, Yeah, you're just inspired. You're just like, yeah, it's not, you maybe feel like a sense of envious or jealousy from them, but it's because like, you want to be doing that. So just use it as inspiration. Inspiration, like, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's mindset too. Like mm-hmm. you just need to catch yourself when you feel that bad, bad vibes with it. If you like yeah. start scrolling or something, it's, it's all mindset. Just choose yeah. to use it as inspiration. And of course we can be get really caught up just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, which then you may get frustrated and stuff because you, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, yeah. I hate when I find myself scrolling. Yeah. I can't remember Such a time, time I did so. it Yeah. Yeah. So who are the photographers that inspire you most? Yeah. Um, so a couple of them. Um, number one, I would definitely say Paul Nicklin and Christina Minemeyer. They run a nonprofit organization called Sea Legacy. They do a ton of conservation work with not only ocean conservation, but they'll also do Inuit communities and human rights and all that sort of thing. So they really try to make a difference in what they do. So they use photography as visual advocacy to spread a message and show people like what is happening to our planet and what we can do to change our everyday actions. And so they'll travel the world and they'll show you like what's really happening scientifically. Um, He's a biologist as well. So it's just really nice because I personally think that we can be triggered emotionally through visuals and photographs or videos as well. So you can read something, but sometimes it won't grab your attention or anything. But when you see a photograph, it just brings so much emotion and video as well. So that's really what they try to preach. And yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I just went to um, an event at Harborfront in Toronto about waste management and sustainability and art. And it was really cool. And they were talking about the same sort of thing. Like artists will provoke emotion in the public to spark some sort of idea or help them make a realization so then they can 
do some action to make change in the world. And that's something I want to ask you about too, because I know that you're really big on sustainability and um, Instagram is such a good platform to share information about what's really going on. But then how do we use that to have like a strong call to action to actually inspire action rather than just knowledge? Like how do we make people act? (laughs) Wow. I love this question. This is the main reason that Paul and Christina inspire me because for so long I have seen quote unquote influencers um, publish so many photos to Instagram and you look at them and it's like, wow, this is a beautiful photo. But to me, it's like, like how, how is this making a difference? You know, sometimes it could inspire someone like just to me, I think everything that we do, you should ask yourself beforehand, will this inspire someone? I could name a ton more photographers that I find inspiring for me because they just, they're great photographers. They do some amazing work, but it's like with people like Paul and Christina, they will actually try to spread a message through every post that they make. And so I just think when we are scrolling or we see someone who's just posted something that we love, but it's like, like, is this making a difference? So I do think that Instagram is sort of like our own little vision board and we should use it as by spreading a positive message rather than complaining or just like posting for the sake of posting. Like I love that idea, using it as a vision board because mm-hmm. it's true, like what you constantly are exposed to, you kind of become. Yeah. <laughs> and when you think of it as- I kind of like cringe saying that because I'm like- <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of scary. Concept. But it's, it's like- it's scary, but then when you think about it, it's actually really empowering. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then once you make sure you're following like good content and that you put out good content that inspires people. Yeah, that's people another thing you can do. Them. I have unfollowed so many people that. Oh, and now you can mute people. <laughs> you can mute people. So I've muted pretty well everyone's stories, even people that I like their posts. I just, yeah. I get sometimes I get caught up in stories, so I don't. Mm. I just I keep the ones there that I want to be watching, and I unfollow the people that that don't inspire me because just use it as a vision board platform. And once you, when you make a vision board, like you're always going to put positive things in there. You would never put something there that would bring you down. So why should something like this be any different? I love this. Yeah. I'm so excited to go into my Instagram and edit it. Yeah. With this mindset of it being a vision board. Yeah. Like those people, That's really cool. like when, when people just follow like thousands and thousands of people, yeah. it's like, why you don't need that much? Like just, just a few small people that inspire you and just use it to push yourself. I also think a great way to use social media is to reach out to people and reach out to people that inspire you and tell them that, tell them that you love their work. You love what they do so that they are motivated and they continue to inspire you and other people. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good for connection. It's really, really cool how you can just, yeah, reach out to anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I want to hear more about Hawaii though. What was it like moving there? And like, was it scary? Um, yeah. Did you meet people quickly? Where did you go? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> so by the time I decided to move there, I really, I had been there a couple times before that. So I did feel a little bit more confident. So I guess this could kind of just tie back to the first time that I went. It was pretty scary because I had never gone or traveled anywhere by myself on a plane or anything I mean I know you guys joined you and Jen joined me but that wasn't until a couple of weeks after that was but so fun. yeah that was amazing <laughs> but when I first went there like yeah. it was just me and the roommate and I was like I don't know this roommate like I don't know what he's gonna be like like I I don't know anyone there so I sort of just kind of did my own thing um I had a car so I would just go hiking by myself and like I would ask our roommate Nick to come hiking, whatever. And if he was busy, like I wasn't going to let that bring me down. I was like, Hey, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go anyways by myself. And I just met people along the trails along the way. And then once you and Jen came, I went and climbed the stairs and that's when I had met three of my good friends. Oh wait, now. stairs, stairway to heaven. Stairway, yeah. <laughs> um, so. But the, give us some background on that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like, yeah, the stairway to heaven was like a dream of mine for so long. I was like, I need to climb these stairs. Yeah, that's when I, you guys were all sleeping and I just woke up at like three in the morning, snuck out of the house, trying not to wake you all. 
I was planning on doing this by myself. I had no idea where I was going. I yeah, we no just, idea we woke up to a note from, did you text us or leave a note? He was just like, I'm going to climb the stairs because I couldn't sleep. I, I, I was like, part of me was so excited for you. I was like, oh, that's so badass. And part of me was like, oh my God, is she alive? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I Oh yeah, I forgot about this. I couldn't sleep that night because I had coffee for the first time in a while. So I was like wired and I'm like, I just want to climb the stairs because I think we were leaving in a couple days. And I was like, I, it's now or never. So then I grabbed the car and yeah, I just went there. And that's when I had met my three closest friends in Hawaii now, uh, Marcus, Chris, and Allison. And so cool it's just a vent to be that changed like, everything so cool yeah yeah that Such absolutely cool changed story. everything so we all continued to stay friends you ended up meeting marcus um i went back to hawaii a couple months later stayed with marcus and his family and then oh yeah i'm gonna have marcus on the podcast too you so. are oh my god i'm so excited that's yeah. awesome marcus i can't <laughs> wait to hear your podcast <laughs> yeah anyway that's amazing it's just basically just showing up for life and going with the flow right and yeah you meet all these cool people just being open my intuition was telling me so. you're good at following your intuition <laughs> oh I can be quite something with it but I, I I try with every opportunity I can That's amazing. so yeah so then basically um by the time I decided to sort of move there um I didn't have too much money saved up so that was huge um I had some things online like investment sort of set up that I thought I was gonna that I thought were gonna keep me stable for the next six months but those sort of fell through so it was a little bit scary like trying to find a place um me and Allison were trying to find a place together but we didn't end up doing that so it was just like with friends for three months I did get a place for a month on my own then I ran out of money so I was like okay I can either move somewhere else I can go back home or I can try to get a job here so I started babysitting and then the family was looking for a live-in nanny. So I was like, wow, that's perfect. I need a place to live and I need some money. Perfect. So it's perfect. Um, I told them that I only had three months though, because I had to be out of the country. So that worked out. So January of last year, so a year ago, I moved in with them. Yeah, it was a great opportunity to be an au pair. I'd never done that before. And I love the kids. So that worked out. That's really cool how things just work out mm -hmm. if you kind of just put yourself out there yeah that's cool yeah and since then you've done a lot of traveling too right yeah yeah Where have you been? um yeah so since then since I got back in March um I moved downtown Toronto I started working as a nanny full-time and then I took a little break and went out to Newfoundland with my boyfriend I I absolutely love Newfoundland like I would move out there in a second it's what do you love about it it's just so different. I love the East Coast. I had been out there before, not to Newfoundland, but um, east side of the country. And I think it's very underrated for how beautiful it is. It's very quiet. It's, I just love the vibes there. It's not too crazy. Like, such a different scenery. I absolutely love it. And good photography trip, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. We did a back. That was the first time I had I had gone backpacking. So oh, cool. Yeah, we were out uh, backpacking for five days or so. I had never done that. I never like literally survival survival mode. Living on my backpack, That's with so only cool. the food on our back, the our water filter that we had to get from the stream, and wow, yeah, <laughs> huge backpack like. 80 liter pack with all my things in it. So that was very intense, big step outside my comfort zone. And then I had gone back to work for a couple of months and then we headed out West. We went up to the Yukon, then over to Alaska. And then on our way home, we were like, ah, oh, we're not ready to go home yet. So we made a little detour stop in Alberta and got to see all that uh, classic those classic yeah. views that you see all over Instagram and so beautiful yeah it's beautiful. I, I went there a few years ago and I was standing there I literally couldn't believe my eyes it's like this is a desktop background yeah. this isn't real <laughs> yeah like, my eyes are like what is going on yeah. here this is not yeah. so beautiful mm -hmm. yeah that's incredible Yukon's beautiful too yeah how if anyone gets a chance to go up there highly I don't hear that much about Yukon so mm -hmm. do tell <laughs> yeah I didn't even think people went up there until uh Jake had gone there last year he told me he was going to Yukon I'm like people go to the Yukon like I didn't think anyone lived there like I was like what do you mean you're going to the Yukon like it was like just 
so new to me. And then um, when he asked me to go this time, I was like, um, okay, sure. So like I had seen pictures that look so beautiful. We did another backpacking trip. It's a lot more in town, like Whitehorse and stuff. It's a lot more developed than a lot of, well, than what I had previously thought. Yeah, it's a very different scenery. So your classic mountains in BC and Alberta, they're very different mountains. Um, more like jagged, rough sort of landscape. Mm. Lots of fall. The fall colors are just like green and yellow. And it's it's such a beautiful mix of colors and scenery. You have lots of photos on your Instagram, right? Yeah, I have tons. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have to link that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but do you have any tips for how to stay healthy while traveling since you do have a background in wellness and you're doing lots of photography and trips? Like how do you stay healthy? Yeah. So um, first things first is vegan. Um, not too much processed food, but a vegan diet is very easy. You know, I've been to many places and it's everywhere from Iceland to the Yukon. I have easily followed a vegan diet. There is no doubt about that. So I make sure to follow a vegan diet. I try to get exercise everywhere I go, whether it's walking, hiking. I like nature. I I prefer not to go to a gym. So whenever I'm traveling, like I do like to experience exercise out in nature. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like wherever you go, you can either be in the wilderness and get your exercise. Or if you are in like a city center, you can just go to any fitness yeah. class, right? Or even just, I call it urban hiking. <laughs> or if you just yeah, urban hiking. City. Yeah. 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 You don't need yeah. a gym to get exercise. It's so true. Exercise is mm-hmm. huge. And that's the, the other thing too, like to stay healthy, like exercise, sleep, water, you can get that anywhere. So, oh, do you have tips for sleeping though? Because I know that I'm not, <laughs> I don't know I'm kind of a light sleeper. And when I was in California, I was couch surfing a lot. And I feel like I, I was just so excited about where I was. So I, I would like stay up later and then I would, um, just like sleep on some random couch no, or an I... Airbnb or like, and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I could not yeah. relate more. Like, yeah. I, so I, I was couch surfing too for the first three months. I was in Hawaii pretty well. Yeah. And I felt like I didn't get a, a good night's sleep for, for years. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Like, it, it is tough when you're changing your environment and stuff, but so that's, that's kind of tricky too. It really depends on where you're traveling to and where you're going. Mm-hmm. So if you're out in the woods and you're backpacking and you're sleeping in a tent, I actually got some pretty good sleep. You probably get better sleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> other than when it's absolutely frozen, like the last night we were backpacking was minus 12 and I got frostnip on my toes and so yeah, just make sure you have good equipment yeah. and good like sleeping bags. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. But and socks. <laughs> yeah. I think it also does depend if you're a light sleeper as well. So yeah. in the woods, it can be pretty quiet. So I was able to sleep well, but if you're on someone's couch and there's Earplugs. people, yeah, and there's <laughs> people going in and out of the doors and stuff, yeah. like you're going to wake up. So yeah, true. yeah, I guess it just depends where you are, but okay. Also this may sound like a silly question, but it isn't bright in the, <laughs> when you're backpacking in the woods, because I, I was in Topanga, California and the, like honestly like the moonlight and the stars like you can see it <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> yeah absolutely. so I it's funny because everyone's talking about blackout curtains and face eye masks and stuff but yeah I was just thinking if we were in nature would we still have that light yeah yeah like, moonlight and all that yeah because like that moonlight even if I'm at home the moonlight is shining through yeah. my window but every night I can't tell you a night that I haven't slept without my sleep mask yet yeah I love my sleep mask. I found one that is perfect. It's kind of like a bra. It just like comes out. It's like it's not like flattened to my face, but it's like oh, it kind cool. of like cups your face, so it's what, more comfortable. Brand? We'll have to um, link those. I don't know, but I got it from. Find it and let me know. Yeah, it was like a Bed Bath and Beyond in Hawaii, but oh, okay. I sleep with that every night. I love it because I do think that any sort of light disrupts your sleep, whether you wake up or not. Like you're not truly in that deep 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 sleep sleep, if there's like light interfering and yeah so I think an eye mask is really important but one that's comfortable and one that you're going to want to wear if something's like slapped to your face oh yeah it's very tight you're not going to want to wear that that's a good tip because I yeah I've experienced that just really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. face masks or when do you buy like the drugstore that kind of smell like plastic or something yeah yeah. (laughs) but yeah because sleep is so key it's like you can't 
go yeah. out and explore if you're really tired. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Sleep and exercise yeah. are just so important so for important, yeah. keep maintaining that. Yeah. What would you pack for, like, what did you eat when you're on mm-hmm. the East Coast? Yeah. Backpacking. Yeah. So um, me and Jake have sort of come up with a system of the cheapest and best options for backpacking as well as just living out of a car and just like traveling and being in nature. So for meals, we usually have dry meals, which is basically a dehydrated um, package of food. There's tons and tons of brands that you can get from Mech, anything. Oh, they even have some at Loblaws. They have this lentil soup I like that you oh, just add water. Really? And it's yeah. dehydrated. Wow, that's awesome. I love <laughs> to look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's tons of options. We usually oh, just get them cool. from Mech. So we use so, that as dinner. What are the best ones? Okay, the most expensive, but the best is yeah. Good To Go. Good To Go is a great brand. There's so many. Like, what are examples of meals? So they have this mushroom risotto oh my goodness it's delicious um oh so the is it like the rice is cooked and then dehydrated yeah so it's all been cooked it's just all dehydrated and it's unreal like jake always claims that it could be restaurant quality like you could serve it at a restaurant (laughs) that's amazing yeah it's great also like pastas and um pad thai and stuff so it's a great dinner especially if you've been backpacking all day and you need like a lot of calories so that's great, but it is more expensive for that brand. So we're kind of just trying to slowly move away from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so we usually just have dehydrated meals for dinner. Um, for breakfast, we'll have oatmeal. Oatmeal is the easiest and you can add so many different toppings from fruit, nuts, seeds. And then, oh, yeah. do you bring fruit or like dried fruit? Um, dried fruit. That's, that's pretty well it because mm-hmm. if you're backpacking, like bananas apples like that stuff will still get squished so maybe mm. not apples but bananas for bananas sure I can use like, one in my knapsack like. yeah it's it doesn't look good so usually we'll just bring like some almond butter and dates and then we'll put that in the oats make and some larvars oh and larvars that's the other or thing just eat larvars. <laughs> that's the other thing so we yeah. always bring things like larvars cliff bars trail mix and we don't usually like stop for lunch we'll always just have a bunch of snacks throughout the day and that'll kind of cover lunch and snacks and stuff until dinner Cool. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Smart, and then like... we have like, okay, so tips for if you're living out of a car and not like a fan life is car. trendy. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, so we lived out of a Toyota Corolla. Oh, so it wasn't for, even like, a van? <laughs> no, it was a little tiny ass car. We bought, like, we made salads, we made sandwiches, like, we had all this stuff in our trunk. Like, we ate just as good as we would at home soups. Like, we had this little stove and bowls and we would make salads in the middle of the woods there's no excuses that's really cool yeah we bought dressing like it's kind of cold so everything could stay like a little bit chilled in there oh smart (laughs) if you're in a hot place like yeah things would probably your greens would probably will and stuff Mm. but we weren't eating out at all like we were always buying from a grocery you're probably healthier (laughs) exactly we're always exercising we're getting uh, sleep is debatable it depends like if we're in a tent or sleeping in the car but yeah, there's there's no excuses. Mm, Grocery store, so you can make a salad in your trunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cutting, we cut up peppers, tomatoes, all that stuff. Like oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we were talking about conservation before. Of course, you're really big on that. How does eating a plant based diet positively impact the health of the environment and specifically of the oceans? Because I know that you're really passionate about ocean conservation. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, a huge passion of mine, especially over the last couple of months. Um, there's so many, so many different controversial topics here. Um, but in my opinion, we could talk about, if you're talking about the ocean specifically, um, then I would start talking about fish. Our oceans are completely overfished and pretty well emptied of life. Pretty well 80% of the world's fish stocks are overexploited and our oceans are practically going to be fishless by the year 2048. And we're eating fish like left, right and center. You could be eating salmon or just one fish that you bought at the store, but that could have easily killed multiple whales, dolphins, because fish farming, all the nets that go into the ocean, if they're just catching salmon, they're bringing out tons and tons of other animals. Every time there is a net that goes into the water, multiple other animals come out with it. And it's really sad to see. It's just like on land too, with clearing out land to make farms or clearing out all wildlife to mm-hmm. destroying yeah. everything. So you may be in a, it might be like a palm oil field and you're chopping down that forest. The food that I'm, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of eating palm oil because I absolutely am, but the palm oil that could be in your food, a monkey's home was 
absolutely right, destroyed yeah. in the process of that. Yeah, you have to think about further than just... Yeah, you think about the yeah, whole footprint the whole of, yeah, yeah. of where it came from. And mm. then you think about where it's going in terms of the past and then the future. So it's not just the fish that's on your plate. It's everything that happened before that and everything that happened after that too. It's not just overfishing, but it's pollution and climate change and ocean acidification. And that all leads to the loss of vital habitats. For the oceans, we are polluting them like crazy with everything from industries and all of our factory farming and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I find that mind-blowing how much factory farming on land impacts the ocean. And I feel like often people will think, oh, I don't live by the ocean or they don't eat Mm -hmm. fish. So they're like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do to help. Animal agriculture operations produce massive amounts of waste pollution. And this is everything from pesticides to fertilizers, antibiotics. It's in our oceans. And a huge topic is nutrients. So poor waste management during animal agriculture. Have you heard of the concept ocean dead zones? I've heard that. What does it mean? (laughs) So I didn't know what this was for a long time because I always knew that animal agriculture was a leading cause of ocean dead zones. And when I looked into it more, I found out it's all from this process called eutrophication. So basically when we have poor waste management, we're putting tons and tons of nutrients and minerals from animals and whatnot into the ocean. You'd think that'd be good for the ocean because you're putting nutrients and minerals there. But if you have an excess amount of it, it'll end up in coastal waters and estuaries. Basically, there's an overgrowth of plants and algae. And that algae will be so thick that it'll block sunlight from entering that part of the ocean. If there's no sunlight, there's no oxygen, everything will die. And it can't grow without sunlight. So everything underneath will die. And bacteria will grow and eat up that excess oxygen and then spew out CO2. Then you have your dead zone. Like, it's just gone. We need the ocean to breathe, (laughs) to live. I feel like there's a disconnect because people don't really think about it because it's underwater and Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's so important, right? And that's kind of like the dead zone too. It's like, if there's no oxygen, it's it's killing the the sea life, but it's killing us as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, absolutely. And also for our oceans, it's pretty simple. They regulate climate temperatures, our atmospheric carbon, oxygen levels, It's straight facts. The Arctic, for example, is melting twice as fast as anywhere else in the world. And it starts in the poles. It's pretty intense facts and it's hard to hear sometimes, but... But yeah, it has to be shared. Yeah. Yeah. The Arctic could also become completely free of sea ice during the summer months in only 10 to 20 years. That's very soon. (laughs) Which is normally a place that has sea ice all year round. And the polar bears absolutely need that to survive. And they're dying without CIs, so it's really sad. So yeah, I like how you're taking all this knowledge that you have and you're living your plant-based lifestyle and then really making that your mission in life to share this through your photography, through all the work you do on social media. And like we were talking about before, a huge part of this is education because with knowledge, then you can take action. So if you could share three things and you'd want every single person on this planet to know what would those things be? The first one would definitely be the ethics behind the meat and dairy industry. Again, like how I said before, it's not just about what's on your plate. You just ask yourself, where did that come from? It is so cruel and harmful and it doesn't matter if it's quote unquote humane or grass fed or antibiotic free. The animal is being killed for your taste buds. That is absolutely crazy. It's wrong. It's yeah, just inhumane. Like, think about it. It's inhumane. Mm-hmm. We don't need it to survive. It's a different topic if we're talking about being, let's say, up in northern none of it, and you're trying to survive and you're hunting a seal and stuff. I totally feel different about that. But, but that's the thing, right? We have so many options. We can just yeah, go to the grocery store. We're in, we live yeah. in... We live in Toronto, like, and yeah. everywhere from even in the Yukon, you don't need to survive on it. It depends on your culture. So I feel different about those kind of topics. But yeah, it's it's inhumane. It's sad also when you try to share something with someone and they're not open to seeing it, meaning they know it's wrong, but they're not willing to see it for themselves because they're scared that they might have to give something up or they'll want to. So that would probably be the first one. Just educate yourself on the ethics behind it because. Every single animal has feelings, whether it's a chicken or a pig or a cow. And 
pigs are as smart as a three-year-old and they all feel the exact same pain that we do. So just because they can't talk doesn't mean they don't have that pain. Growing up, my parents fed me meat, but it's just not something I ever thought about Mm -hmm. until I had to, because I had to do a school project on it. Mm -hmm. I think it's really good to just take a step back and like, think about it and educate yourself on what's really happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel for people who don't even, they're not even aware, but it's just about being open and listening Mm -hmm. and not being stubborn about it. And I love talking to people about it and just educating them. And once you're educated, if you choose not to, then that's your choice, but at least be open. Yeah. To just it. at least know what's yeah, going just, on. Just, yeah. Once you know the truth and if you still choose to do that, then that's your own personal choice. So the second one would be in regards to plastic. So when you throw your trash away, it doesn't go away. It it goes into the oceans. Oh, that, that, um, that presentation I told you about at Harborfront, these artists, they made a big installation and they wrote on it, there is no away. Yeah. And I, I, I never thought about that. I love that. It's so true. Oh, just throw it away. Yeah. Where? There's no away. There's no like, away. It's, 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 there's no away. It doesn't just go up into the atmosphere and disappear into thin air. It's, I no love way. when I see, oh, I don't love it, but it, it has more of an impact on me when I'm walking around the streets and it says that instead of saying garbage, it says landfill because it's literally filling the right. land like, yeah. and the oceans. I think it's important to share this with people and with every opportunity you get people who don't necessarily understand or know because they do they literally think it disappears in the thin air I was at the grocery store the other week I was talking to the cashier she insisted that I use I don't use plastic bags for my produce and she insisted she didn't like that she was touching the produce and it was all wet in her hands and whatnot and she said the belt was dirty and stuff and I was like well I'd rather have a little bit of dirt than use plastic and she insisted that I use the plastic bag and I, I refused. I was not keen on that. And she she didn't understand. So I just said, it'll just end up in the ocean. It always does, no matter what. And she said, no, it doesn't. It How or why? She said, why would it end up there? And I just said, because there's nowhere else for it to go. It either ends up in a landfill and eventually in the ocean. She was just so shocked. She says, why would it be there? She just didn't know. So I just think it's important with every chance you get to just to tell people and make them think. Maybe she'll second guess the next time she goes to reach for a plastic bag or something. And when you realize that turtles, for example, think that they're jellyfish and then they get all caught up in the plastic bag, it's like death for that animal. Yes. A lot of it is just, yeah, education, educating people Mm -hmm. because it's true. Like you grow up in some city center and no one talks about this stuff. And And I'm still learning to sort of speak in a more calm manner because it really doesn't get to people. If you're frustrated and if you are just trying to be pushy with someone, they're going to be focused on your frustration, not on the actual Mm. message that's being passed. Oh yeah. That's a a huge topic too. Do you have any tips for how to communicate (laughs) effectively? (laughs) Wow. Patience, Patience, Um, breathing and learning. Is your ego more important or is the health of the planet more important? So when I think of that, my ego goes down and my love for the animals goes up. And so I just try to talk more calmly and with patience. Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes it still gets the best of me. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, also like thinking about how you would want to be spoken to if you like didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 What was the last point? The third Thing that I would tell every single person would be that every single person matters and every person makes a difference little by little. And everything starts with a single idea and a single person. It's like the ripple effect, as Joshua would say from mm-hmm. IAN. I've been told so many times, oh, you won't make a difference. It, it doesn't matter. You not eating that meat won't make a difference. It, it absolutely does. If someone is inspired by you, they maybe they won't eat meat the next time or they won't reach for that plastic fork. Every person adds up and as communities we can make such an impact there has been the vegan movement has been growing so much oh huge yeah the movement of plastic free and even grocery stores like you have to the fact that you even have to pay for a plastic bag is is great like that wasn't that never used to be a thing for I don't know when I was younger like you just got to use them however that actually made a huge difference. Yeah, people, people don't no want to spend the five cents. No one wants to pay that five cents. So now everyone will bring their own grocery bags. Yeah, and then when you see people, like if you're walking in the store, you see some of the reusable bags, they're like, 
oh, I got to go back to my car and grab them. You know, every person does make a difference. Absolutely. It's a ripple effect. And if you're motivated by someone, the next person will follow. Next person will follow. If you talk to a huge group of people, many people will follow. I love that. I love mm-hmm. the idea of the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. It adds like a nice sort of visualization to that whole, the power of one quote you always hear, but yeah. Yeah. And so circling back to health for one last question, you're doing so much traveling, photography, all of your work as an environmentalist. How do you, I know we talked about remaining, staying healthy while traveling. How do you stay healthy and balanced as an entrepreneur? I would say this is more of a personal preference of mine. I'm not a huge cook. I don't really love to cook. So that saves me a lot of time. When I do cook, I try to have simple, very easy to make meals. Some things, some do you plant do, like, based meal prepping. No, I never meal prep. I also like I when I did uh, work a full time job when I was working nine to five, I would absolutely meal prep. But it took up quite a bit of time. I, yeah, I never do that now. I always just eat as I go uh, based on what I'm feeling like. But I always reach for foods that I can put together, whip up very quickly and easily because cooking can take a lot of time when you're chopping up a bunch of veggies and all that stuff. It can take a lot of time. So what are some examples then? Really foods. simple, simple yeah, foods. foods that you like? Um, so I guess breakfast can be more simple than other meals. Oatmeal, toast, pancakes. I know people think pancakes take a while. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. <laughs> like you can just put a couple ingredients together and yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty simple. Smoothies, um, smoothies for lunch. I usually have all these things divided between like breakfast or lunch. It's very quick. For dinner, um, dinner doesn't have to be like a huge, huge thing. I just, I feel like in the past I spent so much time like trying to cook and whipping together an intense meal, but... Even if you're just making a salad, it doesn't have to be this like huge fancy thing. You can literally just throw some greens, some seeds, and I don't know, like a tomato, cucumber into a bowl and you have a salad. Like it doesn't have to be a huge thing and it's still, you're still incorporating all those veggies in there. Yeah, I'm very like that too. I just throw whatever's in the fridge in a bowl, but yeah. whatever's in the fridge is always like fresh fruits and veggies, yeah. maybe some quinoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one yeah. of my favorite meals too is cooking a sweet potato. So I'll just put a sweet potato in the oven, requires no effort. And then once it's done, I'll just throw a bunch of toppings on it. Black beans or tahini. Well, yeah. So just keeping things simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I think it's important to not always just reach for a restaurant or like fast food, no matter if it's plant-based or not. If you feel like you're short on time or something, then I think meal prepping is important. But I personally don't even like to eat out anyways. So if someone does, then try meal prepping so that you don't feel the need to always eat out if you're cutting close for time. And and then yeah. you save money too. Mm-hmm. And then take out waste. Yeah. yeah. And like, for example, dinner, you can have soup and it's already ready. Like yeah, you, you literally yeah. need to heat it for two seconds. Yeah, it's true. It shouldn't take a lot of time. Yeah, just keeping things simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Variety is important too. That's for yeah. sure. Um, but you can still have variety, but have things be simple. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake and I will spend maybe like one night or so a week cooking like a big meal. We'll make like a pizza or something, but that does take quite a bit of time. But it's um, like a, so it's like a special kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like an every night thing. And yeah. I don't know if we just put something together. Like sometimes it will take a little bit longer, but it's nice to like have someone to cook with and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we incorporate more variety and different foods every week and stuff. So cool. Yeah. Oh, and one more last question. Um, <laughs> where are you traveling to next? On Thursday, I'm going to be headed to Arizona. Oh, um, so soon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we'll be there for maybe two weeks or so. That's really um, cool. That's more of like a holiday family trip. And then for work, photography, conservation side of things, I will be headed to Hawaii again in April. And this time I'm going to be focused on diving and ocean conservation rather than hiking in the mountains and stuff. So I'm really excited for that because I definitely have a lot of plans. And this time around, I actually want to have some goals and plans and focus on the things that will push me in the right direction rather than just mindlessly hiking or diving or whatnot I actually want to 
complete some projects and work with people and yeah, have some, set some goals for myself. So probably there, be there for three weeks or so. I like that intention, intentions, everything. Laser pointed focus. Mm -hmm. I love that. Of course there's time to relax and just do spontaneous trips and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I just think it's important to set intentions and goals for yourself long-term and short-term so that you just feel that drive and motivation and you have that sense of direction. Cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. we'll leave it on that. I'm really inspired. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Gonna review my goals. Also go through my Instagram and use it as a vision board. Like Mm -hmm. you said, I love that. Yeah. And then make sure that I'm doing as much as I can to avoid using plastic and to educate people too. I I love what you're saying about the ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So, so much good stuff shared today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Megan. I hope you're feeling so inspired to be part of the ripple effect, to do what you can to save the environment and to inspire others who will inspire others and so on to save the environment too. Let me know in the comments what action you'll be taking this week to live a little more sustainably. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to Megan's favorite photographers and dehydrated camping meals. I've also left a link to a free Institute for Integrative Nutrition sample class and a link to my one-on-one coaching page where you can book a free consultation with me. If you're interested in incorporating more plant-based foods into your life, improving your health, and living more sustainably, I would absolutely love to support you. I can't wait to hear from you, and thank you so much for listening.